and welcome to FTI's Cybersecurity Podcast Series, The Expert Briefing. My name is Dave Harvey, and I'm the Head of Cybersecurity for FTI Consulting here in the UK. Throughout this podcast series, FTI experts will discuss the latest issues and trends impacting the world of cybersecurity right now. And today's conversation is centered around personal cybersecurity protection. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Chris, Nathan, and Ayala, and I'll let my guests introduce themselves. Thank you, Dave. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Nathan Muselli, and I'm a managing director with the FCI cybersecurity practice in New York City. Come from uh, a career in federal law enforcement, both with the United States Secret Service, as well as the Department of Homeland Security, where I spent 15 years as an agent, um, mostly working cybercrime, uh, doing digital forensics, and standing up cyber units within uh, the federal government. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Pluhar. I'm a senior director out of FTI's Los Angeles office. Uh, like Nathan, I also spent a, a career in law enforcement with 21 years with the FBI, working cyber and digital evidence. Hi, everyone. I'm Ayala Mora Prega, and I'm a senior consultant in FTI's EMEA cybersecurity team based in London. I do not have any law enforcement experience, but I do have a PhD in crisis and resilience. And since joining FTI, I've worked across response, remediation and readiness. Thanks everyone for joining me today. So we're in the midst of this exciting time, seeing a rapid acceleration of technological change and adoption. And personal cybersecurity is a relatively new focus for individuals. Historically, personal protection was more about physical security, but with the increased usage of social media, wearable technology and smart devices, I'd suggest that the threat landscape's really grown. So it'd be great to kick off this session by just setting the scene and, and bringing it to life for our listeners. So Nathan, would you be able to give us an example of, of a recent engagement you've been working on? Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot, Dave. So, you know, as we talk through personal cybersecurity, um, we have to keep in mind that personal cybersecurity, especially in the world that we live today, not only affects you personally, but it can also affect uh, the businesses and, and where you work um, and other aspects of your life. Um, as such, one of the most recent engagements we worked on had been with a financial institution um, who had pretty good cybersecurity practices as an institution. They had things in place that we would want, that we would suggest um, to, to protect them from attacks such as ransomware and other things. However, when they had first started, they were a very small team. And as a small team, the CEO at the time um, was registering his uh, domain uh, for his website. So he had gone on to a, um, a DNS registration site, had registered the site um, under his personal name using a, a password. And then later on, that same domain was used for, the, for their records, for their website, for their email service, et cetera. Well, that password had never been changed. And this was a personal password that he had used for the rest of his personal accounts as well. So it was his own personal cybersecurity hygiene here that later on impacted his corporation um, because his password wound up being part of a breach, not because of his corporation, but uh, just a third-party breach. His password was part of that. And he had used that same password in multiple different um, applications and multiple different platforms, including to register the domain name for his now large financial uh, financial company. Well, as that password was breached, it was it was obviously found by uh, threat actors on on the dark web. They had used it to log in um, to this uh, DNS registration uh, firm, and then redirect basically all of the records to a website that they controlled. Had users trying to log in to retrieve their financial data, 
Um, and then they were able to retrieve all of these other credentials for all of these other users that had were really intending to log into um, this financial institution's website. So, you know, this is just one example of how the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And in here, the at this case, the weakest link was just this one password that was set up in the beginning. No one ever had gone back to look at it again to implement things like that. I know we're going to talk about the multi-factor authentication and other things, right? Um, and so um, just something that we have to be aware of, especially taking into account our personal cybersecurity practices and how can it affect not only our corporations, but also our families and other things that are around us. Thanks, Nathan. Um, so over the last 18 months, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has really seen us accelerate the adoption and integration of technologies into both our personal and working lives. Now, FTI Consulting's Resilience Barometer reports that 80% um, of companies in G20 nations surveyed said that they've accelerated the digitization of business since the start of the pandemic. Now, I don't think that's overly surprising. However, threat actors have seized upon this opportunity and exploited many of those changes. So I'd now like to be able to discuss some of the current trends and risks around personal cybersecurity protection. Chris, I'd like to come to you first with, with your thoughts. Thank you, Dave. Uh, so with regards to personal cybersecurity protection, uh, there's some things to keep in mind. So cybersecurity in general, uh, the basic principles that we follow for good uh, cybersecurity are the same, whether you're talking about a large corporation, a smaller medium business, or even an individual. Uh, it's generally just the scale is different, but the principles are the same. So what one of the things that we like to do, and I've, I've done with a number of clients recently, is a general security assessment. And what we want to try to, to accomplish in those assessments is, is do a holistic view. So we're going to view cybersecurity as a part of the overall personal and family security of the individual. So just to give some examples. So for, for an individual, part of the assessment is we don't just want to consider the access, uh, the connectivity, or the behaviors of the individual only but also the immediate family, kids, uh, personal staff, maybe household staff. Uh, what are those individuals doing? And how, how do all you know, those individuals surrounding the person of interest, how does that behavior affect that individual? So uh, one of the key points in cybersecurity, uh, again, regardless of, of the context, is that behavior is like probably the biggest cause of, of unintentional risk. So social media activities of kids, for example, uh, social me media activity of that, the personal or business staff, uh, what's going on there. Taking a, a holistic approach, we wanna consider all of those things and what the impact might be to the, either the individual or that individual's business activities. Uh, another thing we like to look at though, just to bring it into larger perspective is the physical risks as well. So what are the other you know, possible physical risks to sensitive digital information? Uh, for example, uh, it's very common in clients that I work with to just see like a thumb drive uh, sitting on a desk and, and, you know, generally in someone's, in someone's home or their office, that's, that's generally okay. But if you have other individuals with physical access, that's a concern. So this is part of a holistic assessment we make to try to protect uh, digital information of, of, uh, of our clients. Thanks, Chris. That, that sort of indirect approach to um, an attack is, is really quite interesting. 
Um, Ayala, when when you look at this, are there any sort of technological trends that you're seeing that are maybe exposing us to, to a different sort of threat factor? Yes, Dave, absolutely. So Chris just mentioned a small device in the form of a thumb drive or a USB stick. But other small devices that we're seeing become hugely popular at the moment and have been popular for some time um, is a group of devices that we call wearable tech. Now, wearable tech as a category of electronic device is growing in a huge way to the extent that producing these devices is a huge point of competitive innovation for some of the biggest technology companies in the world. Huge organizations, for example, are collaborating to produce smart glasses, which allow you to capture photos and videos, listen to music, or even take phone calls on the go as you're wearing them. And this is only one of the most recent iterations of developments in this field. There are far more, and we're seeing more and more of them day by day. Now, consumers of wearables, as well as wanting to stay on top of the latest trends in technology, will often make these purchases because they want to utilize the data they generate in some way. So there is a value on the data that they produce. But actually, it's the ability of these devices to generate, collect, and process this personal data that makes the networks they're attached to and the devices themselves very attractive targets for threat actors. And as well as being aware of the benefits of these devices, users also need to be aware of the risks that they pose to themselves and perhaps their workplaces that they might wear them into. Um, so examples of risks, um, there are many examples, but just to, just to list a few, users should be aware that an IoT device, um, a device linked to what we call the internet of things, this could be linked to your mobile, which in turn has access to your company's network where business critical or personal customer information might be stored. So someone who is able to access your IoT device might in turn be able to access that company network and that very sensitive information. There is also a malware risk um, that can be transmitted from a device to a phone. It's not impossible for malware to be loaded onto a small wearable device, which in turn can transmit itself to a phone which then is connected to a wider network. Now, something else to consider is the fact that devices are getting smaller and smaller as companies are wanting to offer portability and convenience. And this means that devices are harder and harder to track. Now, the significance of this is that people might not always know when they are, for example, being recorded either by audio or on camera. And this is something that people should be aware of as well. And one final thing I'd mention is that these devices are often made up of multiple hardware and software components. And what this means is that there's always a supply chain involved in creating the end product. And users might not always be aware of the security that each party offers the eventual end user as it applies to that component that they provide to the device itself. Thanks, Ayala. The, the comments that you made there about wearables are really quite concerning. And I think over time, as they become increasingly integrated and, and our dependencies on them grow, I definitely expect them to be an increasingly attractive target for, for threat actors. Now, as we, we look at that on that theme about technologies and the cybersecurity defences become more sophisticated, I'd suggest it's also increasingly attractive to hack the human being rather than it is to concentrate effort on hacking the system. Um, now, we see humans as our first line of defense, uh, and I'd suggest it's more important than ever to be able to balance that um, technology, people, and process together. So touching on that, that theme of best practice, if we could go around the room, what would you suggest as one piece of advice that you would give to business leaders right now from a resilience perspective? And Nathan, if we could start with you. 
Yeah, thank you, Dave. You make a very good point here in that there has to be a balance between not only your technology and what you've implemented for your best practices in terms of cybersecurity, but also the human factor here. Because as, as we evolve and as things do get more secure and as we become more aware of, of the attack vector, we have to be aware also that there are attacks on us as individuals and our practices that, that really impact how secure our environments are. And, that, and that's whether or not we're talking about a pers- your, you as a personal individual or in terms of your corporations. I think there's a couple of things that we need to really identify here um, that span both aspects here. One is to really identify what's most important. Identify the data that is most important to you, whether that is your personal data or your corporate data. Um, where does that live? So identify your crown jewels and how do you protect, how do you protect that data? Identify what, what, what you do if something did happen. Try to mitigate those risks by having a, a, some type of a incident response plan, a personal incident response plan as well. So what would happen if I lost this data? Would I be able to recover? Do I have backups? Where are those backups located? Are they protected from an attack? Are they encrypted? And so some of these questions really span span the spectrum in terms of these are simple things any individual can implement as well as a corporation can implement um, on a much larger scale as well. Some other things I think that in terms of if I had to say most prevalent best practices that I would suggest for anyone Utilize MFA, multi-factor authentication where available. If a site that you log into doesn't support MFA or multi-factor, I would consider not using it or consider switching to another provider of whatever service that may be. Utilize a password manager um, that would help you manage passwords, right? So you're not using the same password for every single site you log in. You have one complex password that you remember, and this password manager is your gateway into every other site with randomly generated passwords. Use encryption. It's built right into modern day operating systems. It's easy to use. um, And it does go a long way, especially when you uh, talk about devices that are lost or left on airplanes or in other places, which happens all the time. So definitely, I think those would be um, key to anyone's personal cybersecurity hygiene. And then the other part of it uh, as human beings is just being aware, staying aware, being aware of phishing emails, being aware of what you post on social media sites, um, and how that exposes you, um, being aware of what your family is posting on a social media, media site, to Chris's point earlier, and, and how that exposes you with location tagging and some of those other things, right? So just being aware of your surroundings, being aware of, of what you're doing in your digital life um, overall, and then implementing some specific steps in order to protect you. Chris, I welcome you know, your comments on that. I know you've done a lot of work in this space as well. Yes, thank you, Nathan. And so as you, as you so eloquently described, the, the thing that we want to focus on when we're trying to help an individual through these issues is, again, identifying those crown jewels. What are the things that would either be the most sensitive or the most damaging if they were to get out? And as you said also, where do those live? And then how could someone get access to it? So one of the other concepts, in addition to the to the really good examples you already provided, is this concept of separating the things that are sensitive and valuable from the things that either are more dangerous in your environment or that you just don't have control of. So don't have the kids gaming computers or internet computers on the same network in your house or whatever the environment is as your personal or business computer. So. In other words, we can't always control what the kids are doing or what the uh, the online habits are, but 
uh, we want to contain the problem. So contain and, and segment. So uh, network segmentation is a is a fundamental cybersecurity principle that you can apply actually at home uh, or at, at your business uh, if it's not already. So another great example, going back to Ayala's point earlier about IoT devices, uh, get the wireless toaster and the sprinkler system off of the same network as your personal or business computer, okay? The IoT space is growing so rapidly and there's so much churn going on there uh, in that area. And it's uh, it's no secret that security is, not, is often not a priority in the development of these devices. So the concept here is that we can't necessarily control it or understand what all the risks are, but we can separate it from the things that we know are most important to us or to our family or to our business or to our personal security. So the concept is segment wherever possible. Thanks, Chris. You pointed there towards some of Ayala's comments about, um, you know, wearables and, you know, the internet of things. Turning to Ayala then, what one piece of advice would you give to a business leader right now? Thanks, Dave. Um, you've mentioned COVID-19 within our discussion. And what has been really fascinating about COVID-19 is that it's really catalyzed the transformation of our homes into our offices. And as a result of this, personal and professional cybersecurity have really fused in a way that's been unprecedented. And in light of this, business leaders really need to consider the efficiency and security of their remote working practices and how they communicate these to their staff. So an example of something that a business leader should make sure is done is making sure that their users are properly trained to securely access company accounts and systems safely whilst they're remote. So for example, through a VPN and always making sure that MFA is in place and used. Um, something else that can be done is limiting the use of removable media to transfer information between homes and offices, as a lot of companies are now moving to hybrid working models. And I'd also say that it's really important to keep the lines of communication open between your staff and your IT department. Even though they may not be housed in the same building, it's really important to know that staff realize and understand who they report incidents to and that they can be easily notified if the company is experiencing some sort of disruption as a result of a cybersecurity incident. But in terms of the wearable tech that I was talking about earlier, there are some best practices to be aware of here as well. So whilst using wearable tech, there is a wealth of data being collected about you. But this isn't something which is totally under your control. Something that you can do as a business leader, but also as an individual, is to customize this data collection. And often, many devices will allow you to customize your data collection preferences so that you only track and store data that you really want or need. So you may not always need eight hours of sleep data. That might not be useful to you. If that's not something that you'd use, customize your preferences, adjust those preferences, and turn that off. You should also think about your location settings, so what your device is allowed to know about you in terms of where you are, and also consider keeping off your Bluetooth when the device is not in use. And the last thing I'd mention is that it's really important to keep your devices and software current with the latest security updates. This might mean the difference between your device being useful to you and useful to someone who is looking to exploit your data. I love some of those points in there. For, for me, what really struck home was the similarities in the personal protection and, and protecting a business in terms of understanding that critical information. Where are you holding it? What are you retaining? Um, and then looking at the protections that you're putting around it. So, I mean, there's, there's so much similarity in there. Thank you very much to, 
to everyone for those points. So final question then, looking forward, from your sort of expert opinion, how do you see this evolving and what sort of challenges and opportunities do organisations face? Ayala, let's start with you. Thanks, Dave. You know, we, we always say when we talk about businesses that great businesses have great people at their heart. And we often see that in the case of very successful companies, we do have these remarkable individuals at the helm. And more and more, we're seeing consumers choosing to spend their money with companies whose stories and causes they believe in. And these are stories and causes which are often embodied by the leader of that company. In today's society, you know, we live in an, an Instagram world in many ways. This has led to the phenomenon of what we call the relatable CEO, someone at the top of the chain who is aspirational and relatable in equal measure. Now, this is great because it allows consumers to really connect with someone at the company who embodies the values and principles of that business. And this is a, a fantastic way for the business to attract potential customers. So in many ways, it's an opportunity to have someone and a personal story and a personal individual at the heart of the business. But this is also a challenge. And one of the questions that I think many business leaders will have to think about is how do you engineer an effective business enabling online presence without the risk of oversharing and compromising your personal security as a result? What is the line you draw between inviting people into your life and sharing details that might actually compromise the security of your environment and perhaps your family as well? Wow, I, again, there's so much correlation with business in terms of not just how you protect yourself, but then in terms of if something goes wrong, how you can bounce back in that, that sense of resilience and what you need to do to prepare for, for those sorts of events. Um, Chris, what, what, what are your thoughts? So I'd just like to highlight a couple things, Dave. Uh, as, as we've discussed here already, uh, regardless of the setting, whether it's a business setting or a personal setting, cybersecurity is always a risk management exercise. So, and, and it's all, it always has to be evaluated, reevaluated, and scrutinized. So when you get a new employee uh, at your home or, or a new uh, member of your personal staff, you have to reevaluate, you know, constantly have to integrate that change or, you know, that person into your plan and reevaluate. Uh, in general, you can't ever protect everything 100% of the time. So the proper approach with, uh, with cybersecurity and security in general is to spend the most effort and money to protect the most valuable or potentially sensitive things as much as feasible. Uh, and then you protect the other less valuable things appropriately. So uh, I guess a final point is even as I already discussed with the evolution of wearable technology and IoT devices and the threat landscape uh, on a constant increase, we have to remember that even at the end of the day there, the human element is still a huge part of the cyber threat. And so we always have to remember that our behavior uh, and the behaviors of those around us are something that we have to constantly evaluate and we have to try to put controls in place, put processes in place uh, to, to mitigate that threat. And again, with the human element in mind, education is always at the forefront. So it's very common for you know, a cybersecurity program at a business, if they're doing it right, to have a robust education, have robust cybersecurity policies, and then have robust education surrounding that to train and retrain their, the personnel at the, at the company to have best you know, cybersecurity practices and, and keep the environment secure. 
the same holds true in a personal setting. So uh, you, you've got to teach your kids too. You've got to teach your, your personal staff. You've got to teach all the people around you uh, that the risks are the same. So the human element and training in order to combat these threats is very important. Thanks, Chris. You've, you've set the bar high for, for Nathan to, to finish on. So Nathan, over to yourself. How can you wrap this all together and in, in, in what you think is coming next and what people can do? So yeah, thanks a lot, Dave. I think what's coming ne- next and is what's here already is just going to be worse in the coming years. Um, and that's the ransomware pandemic that we really have, right? And it really is a pandemic, um, at least in the United States. Um, ransomware is here to stay. It is, um, you know, the average in 2021 um, was that a ransomware attack happened against a U.S. company every 11 seconds um, in, in 2021. It's a staggering figure. Um, the cost was over $20 billion uh, so far this year that U.S. companies and others have had to pay out and ransomed. And, and this all increased during COVID, um, as we all know, right? So the, 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 the amount of attacks that happened during COVID over the course of the pandemic with phishing emails and other things that are, is one of the vectors that these threat actors take to infect corporations and, and, and individuals with ransomware um, really intensified. And so um, ransomware is going to be an ongoing challenge, no matter how big or small the company is. I mean, we work with companies that are both large and also two-person companies that have been hit by ransom, where that have had to pay out millions in ransom in the end just to regain control of their data. Um, and so a lot of the things that could prevent some of these attack or at least put some blockers up are things that we talked about already, right? Those personal cybersecurity hygiene things. Things, MFA, multi-factor authentication, good password security, training your employees to be vigilant and looking at phishing emails and identifying emails coming from outside domains, let's say in your organization or on your corporate network. Um, So those are things that that are easy to implement. Um, They don't always have to cost a lot of money, but they really go a long way in in really putting up a wall um, to prevent ransomware attacks. Not that anyone is going to be 100% secure and not that we're always gonna be able to prevent everything, um, that's just um, unfortunately not the world that we live in, and we have to be able to evolve as the attacks are going to be evolve, evolve and the, the attack vectors will evolve as they have from phishing to RDP vulnerabilities and other things. However, I think ransomware is here to stay. I think that um, some of the things that I've read are that you know we're looking at and by 2024, it's going to be a $50 billion cost in the United States alone. So uh, that's something that uh, we all have to keep in mind. Wow, thanks, thanks, Nathan. I think when, when we look at all of this today, there's some clear themes that pop out. For, for me, the human nature of cybersecurity is front and center. Um, I was really taken by the comments about not only the ransomware, but, but wearables. And it, it seems an inevitability at, at some point there will be a crossing of those two particular technologies. I was really taken by the, the indirect attacks that Chris talked about in terms of how a threat actor might target you through your own trusted circle. But I was also taken by that risk-based approach you mentioned, Chris, in terms of understanding what is that most sensitive information so that when you are applying your scarce resource or your finite resource, that you're applying it in the right place. And I suppose if we wanted to, to finish on maybe a positive, I would suggest that you know, we're seeing that consumers are looking at business and how businesses manage and protect their data, and they're moving um, as a result of that. So if you can get this right, that's showing a real competitive advantage. So I'd like to thank all of my guests for joining me today. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. 
And if you'd like to find out more about what we do here at FTI Cybersecurity and how we help to build a resilient future for clients, please reach out to myself or any of today's guests via the FTI website.